0: Bagawato, Arda had tor, some my, some votas, and not more tasa, Bagawato, Arda A paruta de sangamatasa tawara, ye soda one taba <coughs> This is the full moon of August, and uh, we had one month of uh, the Vasa pass by. We've all reaffirmed our commitment to the precepts, uh, the form that we use. Uh, This tradition is a kind of structure for our lives as a community. Uh, So like this, this is um, a tradition, like Theravada tradition is quite old and it's probably the oldest uh, still extant form of of uh, buddhism that uh, still operates still functions in the present day so you tend to see the what form is uh, to reflect on the relationship of form to the formless (coughs) Because the aim is the reala- reality of Nibbana, non-attachment to form, uh, non-identity, uh, out of ignorance, not, uh, not being awake, not being aware, we, we identify, cling to the forms. <coughs> our own forms, our personal histories, our opinions and views, our uh, cultural conditioning, prejudices, and biases, and religious conventions, political views, and on and on like that. So the world is a mess today, because human society doesn't know how to relate to the the world of form or convention, but merely becomes committed, and uh, besotted and obsessed with the forms that they identify with. So you get religious fanaticism and in the name of God or all the kind of ultimate uh, goals or ideals that we can imagine. Their very attachment to them blind us to ultimate reality, to reality itself. When I talk about reality, then that <clears throat> that's the Dhamma, the way things are. And so the the two sentences that we recite the Korana sankaranichā. all conditions are impermanent. That's the way it is. But then how do you grasp that? Do you grasp the the kind of uh the the words and the idea? Or you know, you do you believe that and just grasp it because it's in the scripture or the Buddha says it, it's part of our tradition, or are you actually investigating? You know, really examining the nature of sankharas, the base are all conditions. All sankharas are impermanent. So some Buddhists grasp the idea, and then they don't. You know, they 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 it becomes almost a doctrinal statement. Buddha said, "All conditions are impermanent. Therefore, we have to believe all conditions are <laughs> that kind of thing." And so that is uh, that becomes uh, what we call silepati paramasa. Then, uh, so then the, the uh, but it's a reflection rather than a doctrine. It's not a dogmatic position but a reflection. And a reflection then is suggesting a way of looking, of investigating, noticing the way it is. Then, all dhamma is not self. Is uh, What does that mean anyway? All dhamma is not self. You know, it sounds a bit rather strange in many ways to to a Western mind, but uh, reality? You can't find anything that you can claim on a personal level. Ultimate reality you can't claim as some kind of personal attainment. All Dhamma, and Dhamma is a, is the a word that includes everything, you know, conditioned, unconditioned, and so forth <coughs> so to the the way the position of a human individual at this time is it this is it what they in uh, t s eliot's version in the quartet the the point of intersection of the the form the formless or something like that. <coughs> so, just notice that the the uh, Buddha was pointing this, this, this sense of Sangha or being uh, um, Sangha is not a personal identity. You know, so we, you know, I'm not saying I am Ajahn Sumaito Sangha, but Sangha is a refuge, and it's, it's not personal, it doesn't belong to anybody. I don't claim it on a, as a personal identity, you know, in any way. It remains like a refuge, a reflection of if I'm practicing the Dhamma, if I'm uh, really developing awareness, really awakenness, alertness to the present. Uh, then that, then that, then I that I'm really taking refuge in the sangha as a member of the, as a human individual, but no longer emphasizing my my individual qualities or characteristics. Identities. So Buddha Dhamma Sangha, you notice, as refuges, they're not they're not emphasizing. Uh, they any particular thing. They're ways of reflecting on this moment. Buddha at this moment, then, is aware awakeness. Dhamma is uh, the knowing of the way it is. The sankara anicca, and then sankhantrunagatami. This is uh, this individual here. This form this entity is practicing accordingly. awakenness, reflecting on the uh, noticing, observing the way it is. <coughs> so, sapetama natan, anatta, no self, all dhamma, or reality, is not, any, you can't find any reality that has a quality that has any personal like uh, sense of a soul or a a permanent self. My unique individual soul or my unique personality. These things as we as we take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha then we you know the the sense of wanting to be unique and special having a, being a special kind of person, you see through that you see that that desire to 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 see yourself as a you know a messiah or a savior or a special kind of gifted saint or specially you know born for leading the the ignorant to. To enlightenment, (laughs) all that drops away. Or even the you know, if you aren't into megalomania or overestimation, it still amounts to the same thing. Like I'm nobody, and I'm I'm just an ordinary guy, and I'm just uh, you know nothing special. Even that is an identity. So the knowing, because uh, to be think I'm just an ordinary guy, those are words that I create. And, uh, and I have to think that. If I don't think that, I don't really, you know, the, the reality of this moment isn't, uh, isn't particularly uh, being obsessed with my pronouncement about being just an ordinary guy. Is it? That comes and goes in consciousness. So what remains when, when these very, the various perceptions and, and forms and conditions, qualities and quantities arise and cease, is that we're, you know, the, with awareness then we're not being born and dying and arising and ceasing with them. If we don't know that, then we're always kind of caught in that web of conditioning. It's like a sticky web, like a spider's web. You get stuck in it. And uh, it's hard to get out of it. <coughs> so then, the, the directness of the teaching is here and now, awakeness uh, timelessness, santiti ko, apparent here and now, akali ko. Timeless, these are like the, when we recite the, uh, the Dhamma. Santitiko ehi bhajatang tang we Apparent here and now. So the truth, reality, is here and now, isn't it? Apparent here and now, Santitiko Dhamma. So you, if you conceive Dhamma as some kind of Thing that you have to find, then that very conception, that very assumption you're, gra- you're grasping, means you're heedless. You're caught in the sticky web again. But if you, you know, if you trust in the awareness, attention, opening, reflection to the present, and seeing. Seeing this reality as a Dhamma, or whatever you're thinking, feeling, uh, mental, physical, sense, whatever senses, uh, through sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought, isn't it? It's this relentless change, this Anicca. So what is aware of a Nietzsche? What is it that's aware of a Nietzsche, of change? And a Nietzsche, of course, uh, applies to Sankharas then uh, can be anything from refined accord, uh, red and blue and green and yellow, beautiful and ugly, black and white, good and bad, right and wrong, emotional habits, opinions and views, uh, religious conventions, attitudes, assumptions, psychic experiences, whatever, <laughs> whatever comes and goes, in other words. So each one of us have our own kind of uh, tendency or character tendencies, or karmic tendencies. Some uh, people have very sensitive emotionally, others highly developed intellectually, rationally, some very psychically. Uh, the different people, have, you know, to try to, you know, figure out what how everyone should be is a waste of time. We are the way we are. Whatever, you know, whatever uh, karmic uh, patterns we find ourselves experiencing, the awareness of them is uh, is to be encouraged. I would see them in terms of dhamma. They they arise and cease, they begin and end, they're not self, they're anatta. Then it can be frightening to think of not having a self, because there's a lot of investment in being somebody in our society, isn't it, in my own life? uh, You know, I'm uh, very much interested in being special and not being just an ordinary guy. Oh, quite you know, I wanted to be I always felt I was special in some way or some or I wanted to be, (laughs) whether I always felt that or not. uh, you know, the feeling of my my life, my unique character, my gifts, my talents, me and mine, what I think. My opinion and my view. So then, in this part of a society, the culture I was born into is like that. It's a, in a state we're brought up to express our individual opinion, uh, opinions and views. We're, we're encouraged to have views e- about everything, even though we don't know anything about anything. You know, So if nobody that has an opinion or view with it, we used to c- think is a bit dull and stupid so we put for a lot of effort in forming opinions about politics and whatever as aesthetics and economics and philosophy <coughs> but in awareness seeing the, the the trap of that seeing that, that as soon as I see myself and hold myself as special in any way, either on a, you know, raising myself up or putting myself down or even holding myself as just an ordinary guy, that, that somehow, you know, doesn't, you know, that, that kind of assumption, operating from that assumption, is not, does not bring peace, is not liberating. If I am somebody, then I've always got to, I'm always separate in some way. I'm emphasizing my separateness. Even being just another bloke is still making myself separate in some way. I'm not a guy that thinks he's better than the rest. I'm just the same as everybody. And so I'm still special because other guys oftentimes think they're better. <laughs> so it kind of makes me better in a way, doesn't it? Being ordinary. I mean, so one can be conceited about being ordinary, or about being humble. You know, I'm a very humble person, and I and I really you know frown on arrogance and conceit, and that can be another conceit. So the trap, isn't it? It's a trap of thought being caught in our own thoughts and opinions and views and attitudes and a lot of the opinions views are very good ones not that, that there's anything wrong with opinions and views It's not condemning thought or opinion or having opinions but the blind identity attachment that we form around that creates division Now notice that the the condition realm is dualistic. That's its very nature. If you have right, then there's wrong. You have male and female. You have good and bad. You have black and then white. You have all these... So these tend to create this sense of separateness and division. So just... uh, just the, in this moment, I'm sitting here, me, Ajahn Samita, sitting here, this seat, and so I'm looking at you, so I'm separate from you. I'm on the high seat, you're down on the floor. I'm here and you're there. So this is, you know, this is the way it looks. This is the conventional reality of this, of this particular moment that I'm experiencing the separateness of being put in in the high seat separate from the rest so then if I cling to that view then I'm really separate I'm the teacher I'm, I'm the sage informing you all about Dhamma and you're my disciples you should pay attention, listen, and, and appreciate everything I say, because I'm a very wise person. <laughs> then, uh, then that that is reinforcing the division, isn't it? It's that that will set the the tone of of belief and attachment. <coughs> but if. I don't attach to the way it seems to the conditions that I'm experiencing right now. They are what they are. It's like this. The way it is. Sitting here, looking at you on the, sitting on the floor. It's like this. This is the way it is. And it's not. I'm not. It's not judging. I'm not saying it's good, bad, or right or wrong. Just reflecting. This moment is like this. So that I 'm not reinforcing the, divi- the the feeling of division in my consciousness and resting in the stillness in the silence where's oneness because it, when we, when we're aware then there's oneness that that includes everything, even on the uh, level of sight, it's separate, you know. And the uh, you know the senses are me- are like that. They're they're uh, you know they're for discrimination. Their ne- their duty is to separate. To dip, you know to, to, to eyes are meant to see things that are separate from this body. <coughs> But is that really me? Am I really this body and this person that's separate from you? You know, this is a question for reflection. In the ultimate, this moment is where the separateness is is recognized through the senses, through the mind, but through awareness. There's no separation. So that is to be realised, the budgetang waiti dapo to be experienced individually by the wise. So the budgetang in waiti dapo winui is a polyphrase for to be. You have to know this for yourself, recognise it, realise it. Not believe what I'm saying. Not asking you to. I don't quote me. Ajin Sumido (laughs) says. (laughs) <laughs> but, but uh, you know, what is oneness—the reality where there's no separation—at this here and now. Santiti ko a kahiko ehi vajatang waiti dapo we knew him. So, the conventions well, you know, guess you know like the monastic conventions are is form, and what how to use form for reflection you know, for one thing, it's a, an agreed way of living, so that we 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 bypass a lot of the frustrations where each one wants to have it their own way, isn't it we? if we were like a a group of individuals uh, with strong views and opinions then then trying to live together would be very difficult because who's going to uh, you know we're going to spend our time in meetings arguing and quarreling about what color of robe we should wear what (laughs) whether Two percent dairy cream in sweets is allowed in the afternoon or not? I've been to sangha meetings in in, in Thailand, where they really get carried away with you know the usual ones about is it good nigh if we use perfumed soap? I'm not supposed to wear perfume, and uh, then strong views come up. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, people get quite heated over over these little things <coughs> so in monasticism, it does uh, you know it's uh, you know the the level of being upset can be over whether somebody's going to use perfumed soap or not and <laughs> and it could even split into another sect those Samanas that use perfume soap and those that don't. <laughs> I mean, peop- there have been divisions and uh, of religious groups over over silly things like that. That's part of being human, isn't it? When I mean, we've got a strong view about what is right and what could be nice and what Buddha said and all that, then we then we hold to that, and then anyone that doesn't agree, we we want to, we accuse of being uh, disloyal or heretical or, or uh, uh, disrespecting the Buddha and so forth. And we have a ways of, of uh, you know, compelling people to conform. Now, if our lives are based only on identity with the convention, then you know it is it is a you know convention is quite a good one. So it's not the, it's not that I'm even disparaging that. But it's not liberating in itself. It's not meant to be an end in itself. It's a, it's an expedient means, to convention, to help to develop awareness rather than to to, um, identify and become uh, blinded, besotted with it, obsessed with it. So the goal then of, of the holy life is this unshakable deliverance of the heart. Agupa Vimuti, And so, like this unshakableness is. I uh, always like that, that statement, even the English one, in the Word of the Buddha. The what is the goal of the holy life? The unshakable deliverance of the heart. And so, just what is unshakable amongst the Sense, sense experiences uh, the, the uh, the changingness, which all seems to be very shaky, changing. The more you you kind of reflect on change, uh, you see you know, all the kind of structures and forms that you hold is sacred and that you can depend on. Suddenly they start disintegrating. So sometimes in meditation you go through a period of great terror and fear where the, you know everything that you've depended on to feel secure starts falling, failing starts falling apart you think you're having a breakdown going crazy because delusion does we create and delusion we create we want the sense of stability we want to feel everything is okay that we want to you know have this this sense of that the world is like this, and this our group is like this, and I can depend on this person and that person, and this government, this this country, this this group, and uh, that these are, you know, the people I'm living with. I can depend on them, uh, comrades through thick or Best friends, democratic government, good health insurance—all <laughs> the rest give, because uh, this gives the illusion of of stability that we like. We want that and again. They're having in the you know in November the elections in the United States, and of course politicians have to to say the things how you know if you elect me as the president, you know I'm going to make sure that the debts get paid off they don't raise the taxes the american economy will get better and better and better and better uh, unemployment will g- completely disappear and on and on like that because that's what p- gives us a sense of of you know confidence if if a, in, in the american system if you uh, if a presidential candidate says well i don't know if i could ever really pay off the national debt or I might have to raise the taxes, (laughs) I'm not sure, you know, (laughs) forget it, (laughs) you notice how anybody that's confident will get a following, even if they're stark raving mad, lunatics have followings, because, uh, you know, a lunatic can be fully committed to his madness. Believing it totally, so so there are you know cases in uh, Waco, Texas, a few years ago, that David, what's his name, uh, was uh, claimed to be God or some something, and he's completely convinced, and he had huge following around him, of people, because he had no doubt. You know, he was there was certainty in that. This man knows. He knows. He's the great teacher, the wise sage. And and then all the shaky, wavering, doubt-ridden, skeptical, uncertain people would you know gravitate to find this 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 one this one man this human being who offered certainty and stability to their lives. <coughs> And, of course, it ended up in a disaster. (laughs) But uh, this is what Avicah is, ignorance not knowing the reality, not having awakened, reflected, and seen for yourself. Then we will accept the best scenario around that somebody else gives us. So, see, like, like the, the opportunities here, the Amravati and the, this tradition is meant for this kind of awakening. It's not a cult, uh, you know, to try to convert you and uh, intimidate you and, and bind you to it. Its sole purpose is the awakening of an individual in the monastic uh, sangha, see, there's not as a position or a, or a, you know some kind of um, identity to assume, but a convention for reflection. The limitations, the the way it is, the way we we react, either blindly holding to it or resisting it, you know, the the way we. We uh, regard the the Binaya or the or the Theravada tradition of blindly holding or 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 you know, just and it's established by the Buddha we've got to believe it and never doubt it. There's one, one extreme the other is we've got to change it, make it better, make it more suitable for the modern age, make it English. And so forth, these are you know so it meets the needs of, of modern people, and that's the other extreme. But th- these are, you know these are you know, ways of, of of getting lost, of not using the convention, but merely identifying and, and, and attaching to it. So how to use the convention, then, is is uh, through, you know, to me, the whole point is, is, I use it for reflection. How does restraint affect me when I, you know, the restraining of the Vinaya, what is, how does that, uh, you know, I can put it in very kind of right and wrong terms, this is good and that's bad and kind of well, this is what you should do and that's what you shouldn't do or I can reflect on that also you know the 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 when one is is restrained or restricted through say, a a, a moral commitment some kind of ethical commitment that we've agreed to you know ideally we can feel we want to do that it might appeal to us on that level of the idea of ideals, but then the reality of it—of restraint, being in a group, in a community, restrained through the, through the form. How does what is that like emotionally? You know. So this is where, you know, we can reflect on that—the the way we, you know, the the fear uh, that it brings, the guilt that we can create around having all, all these precepts the fear of doing something wrong or the guilt about not not doing everything right or or the or regarding the most strict uh, uh, interpretation of every precept as the best holding it in such a way that it becomes just another another uh thing that makes us worry a lot or feel guilty or worthless is that what it's meant to be you know, is that how to use it? Is that what is, I don't find that helpful. You know, I'm guilty enough. Even when I was hedonistic, I was guilty. And then when <laughs> I'm conditioned to feel guilty. So, um, and then the taking on the uh, uh, the patimoka discipline discipline <laughs> could increase that tendency, or What is is the point of it, you know, in terms of is it that I have to make myself into a good monk or am I to use this for awareness? Well, the last one is what I've, the the latter one is the one I've chosen is how I want to live this life through awareness, (coughs) not through fear or guilt. Worry. On the conventional realm, it's always a worry. Worry is, you know, you have to think to worry. And uh, so there's always something to worry about. and um, Because the future is unknown. And so everything could go wrong in the future. What, what if nobody uh, brings food to the monastery? tomorrow and nobody cooks anything what do we do <laughs> you know he when you go on Tudong, isn't it where you go into places where nobody knows what a Buddhist monk or nun is and wonder if anybody will offer anything <laughs> remember doing that and then looking at everybody hoping that somebody you know kind of you know somebody look like they're going to do something <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> you, you know, you're taking a risk. Maybe maybe nobody will care. Maybe you won't get anything to eat that day. That's something to worry about. Then people have, you know, how's the Sangha doing at Amravati? Well, you know, there's other people disrobed and well you never know, you know, that's always uh, something to worry about. Maybe the maybe it's not working, uh, maybe and then the and the worry and then and then the kind of opinions and views for because, you know, to have to have a staunch sangha of committed monks and nuns Practicing toward nirvana is a ni- is a very nice ideal, <laughs> committed for life. You know that. Very nice. That makes me feel very very secure personally. <laughs> but the. <laughs> but then the uh, that's not the way it is, you know. That's not, the way this realm, the world isn't like that. It's not going to, to be. What I want is an ideal, so learning to receive the way it is, even if I don't like the way it is, I can still learn from not liking something, so that the the path then the path of liberation is this awareness if you if, if you when you recognize and, and trust it then you have the the you have the insight into the way the path the way of awakenness then in terms of <coughs> the conventional world you know i trust in the in the in the you know the goodness the the that I mean the Theravada my experience in the in this tradition is it always brings out good qualities in people and it's uh, it's a very old uh, probably one of the oldest or the oldest um, monastic form that still exists and, you know that can trace its lineage back to its founder. 2500 years ago so there's a lot you know it must have a lot going if it can hold itself uh, you know and still operate and still function and be of use in a in at this time So it's not up to me to make it work is it it's not I've got to make sure that uh, you know I used to have this when I first came to uh, to live in this country then I did get caught in this, and I've got to. It's up to me now to make it work and and establish the sangha in Europe and to, you know, really teach the dhamma so people are, uh, you know, being liberated. And it's up to me to to make it likable and appreciated. To uh, be the one who, you know, the the one who. You know, makes it possible to to uh, spread into Europe and America, and then beginning to see the suffering from from assuming that role. Of, it's up to me. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> There's no me to be, uh, you know, for anything to be up to. So, it's it's more in the the confident. That comes through awareness. That, uh, of whatever way, conventions move and change. The way it is, I, I receive that. Whether it's the way I personally like or don't like, not the point. It's the way it is. Whatever arises, ceases. Is very, uh, you know, like this taking the concepts of hierarchy, and that's a word that oftentimes is a pejorative in this, this in modern society. For an American, hierarchy is is something bad, because that's our culture, the egalitarian uh, ideals of American democracy, uh, or is that hierarchy is bad. And that uh, it, uh, egalitarianism is good. So, I, you know, when I first went to live abroad, I lived in uh, Malaysia, and in the Peace Corps in the early 60s. And, mm. and in Malaysia, I had, even though I was in the Peace Corps, I had two servants. The First time mm. in my life I ever had servants. I had, there was a boy that would come in and cook, and there was uh, a woman that used to come in and clean and do the laundry and ironing. And, uh, and I found that very difficult. Mm, because to an American, uh, you, tr- you know, servants, we're not used to putting people into the category of servants. So I wanted them just to be friends. And uh, that confused both of them. <laughs> I wasn't very good at, at that because I felt very ill at ease. I didn't know how to, you know, they, they fully expected the hierarchical structure and relationship. That's where they felt comfortable. When it became palsy-walsy, then they totally confused by it. Because their way of looking was very different. Their cu- cultural conditioning, their expectation and assumption was different from mine. But then I used to just have this blind prejudice against hierarchy. And, and uh, then when I became a monk, and then I had to live in a hierarchical structure according to seniority. And that was... Mm that was very revealing actually because you know, because as I developed awareness satipanya as that began to have take effect in my life, I began to see the value of structure hierarchy is structure, isn't it? so it's it, it, to, you know, to if, if if you just work on ideals like everybody's the same then it doesn't there's no structure there. We're all equal. Then it that's an ideal. But what do you do with it? Who goes out the door first? Who does what? Who washes the dishes? Who, you know, it's all, it's uh, up for grabs, isn't it? There's no structure. So that it ends up in, in all kinds of, like in, in uh, uh, American life, even though it's egalitarian it's not really in any practical way there's all kinds of underlying influences and assumptions and and very competitive because you've always got to you've got to spend your life kind of getting make proving yourself and get in your place because uh, the nobody's agreed on the on the structure so it's uh, more or less you know you have to Assert yourself a lot, and and uh, make sure you've got yours. Where in uh, monastic form, I found it was quite a relief, you know, to to be in a structure uh, where at least I knew on the on the levels of daily life and in relationship of my position on that conventional level, because I didn't have to think about it again. I didn't have to compete with other monks or or fight for a position in the in the in the in the system but I took whatever position you know I was in so uh, that was that was good enough it was all based on moral uh, principles on precepts and on agreed and an agreed way of living so so that saved me from, from, all, from spending so much time like I would have to if, if I wasn't in that structure, if I wasn't using that structure with awareness. Because the main thing is the awareness, isn't it? That's what I became a monk for, was for awakeness, for to free myself from, from the suffering that I honestly created. The worried, anxious mind, the guilt-ridden personality, self-pitying character, complaining, uh, envying others, and so forth. This, this was uh, the 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 character uh, that creates. You know, these habits, these forces were so. Invidious and and uh, miserable to live with, so the the whole purpose was to free myself from those delusions so this is you know and to me it's still that that the whole point, the whole purpose is this unshakable deliverance of the heart freedom from delusion freedom from attachment to sankharas blind attachment to sankhara so using the sankharas then is is not through holding or grasping them out of ignorance but it's awakening to their nature anicca dukkhanata they are what they are and and Conventions and uh, opinions and views, emotional habits, psychic experiences, all the rest—they are what they are. I'm not, in, uh, you know, it's not a matter of, of uh, you know, spending my life creating judgments about what should or shouldn't be. But in this particular uh, form that we use, it's a conventional form. Nasticism, it's to have that perspective, to be able to have a convention in which the the kind of moral agreements are clear and in which the 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 you know the we we can we can trust we're in a in a place where the that is safe in terms of as safe as you can get on this in terms of this realm that we live in, you know. So that we we don't I mean you know we well there's a lot- even though we don't always like each other, there's a basic level of trust isn't there in the community where you know nobody deliberately lies or we don't have to lock our rooms afraid that if I leave my cootie one of you's gonna go and steal something from me pretty you know you get almost uh. You forget what what other people you know you talk to lay people about their lives. It's all about locking doors and burglar alarms and whatnot. <clears throat> so we don't have to make a fuss around uh, the conventional world, you know, not to make that the priority, uh, not make that our uh, celeb for our lives because that's not the point isn't it it's uh, it's for awakened awareness at least this is how I see it because then the liberation is is through that So just to encourage you in this rest of this Vasa, you know, to to really make this very conscious, you know, what is the goal of the holy life? What are you in this for? Why do you what what are you doing here? Not to you know, not to come up to any conclusions, but but maybe you you know, you begin to see what the you know, see what is the purpose of this in a way that it it you know you you have your direction clear if you get too caught up in the you know in in um, quibbling around perfume soap or what then we're going to waste our lives uh, you know arguing about inconsequential things things that don't really matter <coughs> and uh, and so the, and and for and miss the miss the whole opportunity, so what I'm trying to point to this evening is pointing to that the that the deathless i see it is the oneness you can put it in terms of oneness now that's for that's not a, a doctrinal position I'm taking I'm just, that's just a word I'm using for you to maybe what is oneness at this moment then of course when you think about it and try to define it it, it goes into division again thought is, is a function of the mind to divide things it's dualistic so it's, it's beyond thought isn't it, oneness uh, and, and so it's, it's to be realized, so it's the reality that we awaken to when we let go of, of our attach, when we uh, see the suffering of being attached to the changing conditions, the, the uh, impermanent sankharas. So after this, as a reflection for this evening.